Yo, what up? You've heard how every superhero has their origin story, right? Well, welcome to the Can't Believe I Made It podcast. I am your host, Desi Abeda. I'm a high-performance mentor, registered dietitian, and family man. Tune in as we explore the high-performance habits of high performers, their origin story, and how they went from disbelief to belief in their own hero's journey, where they got to a point and shouted, can't believe I made it. Enjoy the episode. Yo, what up, Can't Believers and High Performers? Welcome to another episode of the Can't Believe I Made It podcast. I am your podcast host and high performance mentor, Desi Abeda. All right, so March Madness has happened. I hope that we're having a glorious time watching a bunch of athletes compete against each other, watching underdogs do their thing. You can't not love March Madness because it just proves that, like, one, matchups matter, right? And two, Literally anything can happen. You know, on, on any given day, someone could perform in a way that that they knew in themselves that they could. And then on this type of stage, you know, you, you've heard me say it before. You know, what you practice in private gets rewarded in public. And I think that this stage right here is just a prime example on the men's and women's side of people just competing against each other. And for us, and I hope that it reminds you that you can do hard things too. Like you. If you are an underdog in your story, and I think if I'm speaking to you, you are because I am too, uh, beautiful things can happen. So I hope a lot of you are enjoying the men's and women's basketball. You know, I just got done. Uh, my daughter, who's about to turn six here, going to the University of Arizona women's game yesterday. So it's the first time that we got to do that together. So uh, I'm a little on cloud nine this weekend as I'm uh, heading into our Mentorship Monday episode. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably just the biggest thing is making sure that you're watching these games. And even if you're not a fan, just merely observing and seeing, again, going back to a lot of us are are living through that underdog story because this podcast is about not only teaching you the habits of high-performing people, you know, really eliciting you to make sure that you are stepping into discomfort, doing that next hard thing, and and making sure that the rituals and habits are a part of your are a part of your daily routine, but then even going beyond that is just reminding yourself that this is part of your hero's journey. So if you're even if you're not a fan, do yourself the favor and watch. I know that I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, my bracket is completely friggin' busted. So so who cares with that? Uh, but all right. So heading into you know, I was taking a lot of what I was observing this past weekend, and I'm also observing something on the client side, and I and I felt like it was really interesting because the past couple of month, uh, Mentorship Monday episodes, we've been trying to help you to understand what happens when life throws things your way. Because here's the thing, life's never going to really slow down if you think about it. There's always things that are not within your control that are going to come up and you're going to want to control them, and it's going to be so hard not to. And I think one thing that we really have to get behind as we're stepping into that healthiest version of ourselves, is that we have to we have to be okay with controlling the controllables because the things that are not controllable are things that we have no power over. But the thing that we do have power over is how we interact with the uncontrollables. And so as we head into that, I figured I would get us used to failing. All right. So this is going to be part one. Uh, we're going to go part two this next week. So this is a two-part series of six steps to falling in love with failure. This is honestly something that I talk about 
all the time with clients. And for me, and this is what I tell them literally in the first or second call, the biggest determinant of your success is consistency, but the bigger determinant is falling in love and understanding failure. And that's a hard pill to swallow because what that means in most cases for people is that they're going to have to be okay with their imperfections, which is really hard if you think about it. Because we all want to step into our businesses, our creative endeavors, our work, our relationships, our health, anything that, that's, that's our journey. We want to step into that and we want to look like the expert. We want to look like we're the type of people that can teach other people what we're doing. And at the same time, those people who are like, again, we've talked about this before, right? You can't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 200, right? So we also have to look at those people that are in their chapter 200 and be okay with the idea that they too have failed because they've gotten to a place where they're a big mentor in your life or they're a big mentor in your field or, or whatever that is. They've had to fail and they've had to rebrand their relationship within a growth mindset of understanding that in order to be successful, you have to fail and you have to be okay with that. So today, what I really wanted to dive into was teaching you over the next two weeks, right, with our two-part series, teaching you to fall in love with failure so that you can go do that next hard thing. You know, Sandy Farron said this a couple weeks ago, uh, I think in episode 89, right? Do it scared. So let's teach you how to continue to do it scared and how to go into this next phase of you building this identity-based person who does these wonderful things, who does hard things, who starts that business, who's who's a successful entrepreneur, who is successful in their relationships, their, their health endeavors, whatever that is, in their healing process, whatever that is, let's teach you how to be okay with failing. All right. So before we even get there, instead of folks, like let's let's kind of bring you back to when a failure doesn't inevitably happen. We're going to go back over the habit loop and I'm going to, again, bring up uh, our diagram that, we, that we've that we used before just for a reminder, just a Kickstarter for you to think about like, oh, I, I do remember Des talking about that. But when you do fail, instead of tapping right into shame, right, instead of tapping into something's inherently wrong with me that I can't get this, let's bring in some empathy. So what that means for you, and this is that's really the only antidote to shame, because shame is going to take you in, into some really dark paths. Most addictions stem from shame. They stem from shame and a, and a great deal of trauma. And so in so many ways, let's teach you how to cue your nervous system to calm the F down, to receive the information, to receive the information from there, to, to educate yourself, and then to be proactive so that the failure doesn't impact you as, as widely as it did when it first happened. All right. So when you do fail, I want you to bring this mantra into your brain. Instead of focusing on the behavior, focus a little bit more or throw intentionality into focusing on the triggers and the rewards of, of that failure and see if you can change anything. See if you can glean any information as to why that failure happened. All right. So let's go ahead and do a little bit of like some rework of things that we've discussed before in this pod. All right. So let's discuss the habit loop. Just a just a, a refresher here. So with our habit loop, this is the this is helping you to understand why you do what you do. So this is the human psychology around habits, around rituals, around things that you're doing. And so inside of your habit loop, it's it's gonna have three components. So your cue or your trigger, 
which is going to trigger that action, right? So your cure trigger, the, the way that I look at it is like it's a person, place, or thing. It could be something a person says. It could be the person themselves. It could be a place. It could be your environment. Or it could be that thing, or it could be a feeling, or, or something like that, an experience. So it's a person, place, or thing. So that that trajects you into sort of creating a catalyst into the actual behavior itself. And we know behaviors that serve us and behaviors that do serve us. So that's that's kind of where we need to be coming from this. So that next thing that we look at is your ritual or that act or that action. So that's the behavior following that trigger for a given reward. Of, of why we're doing that, that ritual. And so that third part is going to be just that. It's our reward. The, that feeling or that state of being. Okay, that feeling or that state of being is incredibly important because what I'm asking you to do in order to fall in love with failure is to get a little bit more, I want to say, yeah, get a little bit more vulnerable with yourself where you're taking a step back, you're taking some deep breaths, you're in your body, you're in your mind, and you're saying, okay, re regarding the cues and the, and the rewards, what happened? What happened for me to do this thing that is no longer serving me? Okay, so that's our refresher. Now, this is where we step into our six-step process. So here's step one. Identify what triggered the mistake in your eyes. Okay, and we also want to rebrand mistake too. Like I always think about like mistakes, failure, losses as like, bad things. They're not bad things. You know, I was I, I started this pod talking about the NCAA March Madness tournaments between men and women. The champion that is inevitably going to win this game, each one of those those athletes have lost at some point. <laughs> they have. And I don't know the exact records. I don't think everyone is undefeated. But again, the teams that that win likely have one or two losses throughout the season, so they learn from that. It's the same damn thing here. So let's identify what triggered the mistake. So we want to think back on the series of events that led up to you, quote unquote, messing up. Going back to that person, place, or thing. So as you're taking that step back and you're saying, okay, so let's say you're someone who is really, really looking to take care of yourself in the process of creating a better relationship with, with your significant other. So let's say you mess up. Uh, there's some sort of conflict that happens. Uh, there's a miscommunication. You know, if you're a parent, it, like that, that's, that's going to happen all the time, right? Miscommunications you know, in any relationship. So let's say that happens. You can definitely go into that shame space of I'm not enough. I'm not a great husband, a great wife, like whatever that is. But what I'm asking you to do is to say like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's take care of ourselves through this and look at what, what thing, what person, place, or thing caused this trigger? What caused me to do this? This can be in health. This could be in entrepreneurship. This could be anywhere, okay? So what caused this, this mistake in my eyes? So you take that time. You write down what you know about it. Again, I like to look at these as like really great five-minute journal moments. You take a pen. You take a paper. Or if you're someone who likes to use your phone, whatever that is, is you set a, you set a timer for five minutes, and you're like, all right, this is what I know about what I done, what triggered this mistake. All right, so after that five minutes, you get clarity with that. So this is what cues us into stepping into step two. And that step two is going to be, okay, if possible, could you have removed that trigger? Going back to that person, place, or thing, is there something that you could have done? I like to look at these moments after you take that five minutes 
you take another five minutes, right? Going back to your phone or, or writing and you're like, okay, what role does setting personal boundaries have in removing this trigger? And people like high performers, this could be literally anything. This could be if you're someone who has been really trying to get better with your nutrition and something happens and you have some sort of overeating or binge episode. This could happen if you're trying to rectify your relationship with how you distract yourself. This could be alcohol. Damn, this could be pornography. This could be anything that you're struggling with that you're like, okay, what are, what, this, this does not vibe with me. Like, what do I need to do here? This could be your workaholism. This, this could be so many things like shopping, your relationship to debt, everything right here. So if possible, can you remove the trigger? And if we're going back to that person, place, or thing, if you can't, in fact, remove that person that maybe caused the trigger, what's the role of setting personal boundaries for yourself? Is it that you need to set a personal boundary with them? Is it that you need to set a personal boundary with yourself that maybe you need to remove yourself before the mistake happens? Again, you're, you're asking yourself, okay, if possible, could I remove the trigger? And what role does setting personal boundaries have in removing that trigger? And then as we step into step three, and, and again, we're going to go over four, five, and six in this next week because this is just part one, but kind of a, the, our stopping point is going to be, let's identify what reward drove you to make that mistake. Because think about it, as we go back into our habit loop, that cue or the trigger, that person, place, or thing, so we're getting clarity on that with what made the mistake. And then going beyond that, we're looking at the reward system. What is it that you are actually searching for here? Were you searching for comfort? Were you searching for some control in a very uncontrollable environment or a very uncontrollable life thing that happened? Is it that you were looking for safety? Were you looking for power? Each and every one of us have inherent needs that we're trying to meet in our rituals. This is no different here. So again, this is, I mean, I probably should have called this first part like 15 minutes to solace because you're taking another five minutes to be like, okay, if I remove the trigger, let's also identify what the reward system was. Like, what, what, what was it that I was actually looking for? Because we all have unmet needs that we're trying to meet through our rituals and our habits. I started this pod with saying, you know, what you do in private gets rewarded in public. It's also the same thing. You know, what you do in private in regards to mistakes <laughs> gets scrutinized in public. All right. And, and public's a little bit more of your environment. I don't necessarily mean that it's going to go up on, you know, hopefully you don't go viral for your mistakes, you know, especially considering what happens with uh, people and their uh, their ability to cancel people. So <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just in your bubble, if it will. So I want you thinking about that as we step into this week. I want you thinking about things that you're doing that maybe might not be meeting your needs. I want you getting clear on what are your unmet unmet needs. Like what, what do I need to do in order to feel safe? What do I need to do in order to feel heard, in order to feel seen? Because as human beings, we, we want those things. All right. So this is part one. I should have probably called this, you know, 15 minutes of solace, but who cares? I already titled the pod. It's <laughs> it's going back and six steps to falling in love with failure. This is our part one. I'll catch you in part two. As always, if there's something that resonated with you, take the time to screenshot it. Tag me at Desi Abeta, at I Made a Pod, and let's celebrate you taking the information and applying it. Love y'all. Let's go.
What's up, high performers, high performance mentor and dietitian Desi here. Before I let you go, I just want to speak to your heart real quick. If there's something inside of one of these stories or inside of one of these episodes that is really resonating with you, it's because I'm speaking to the high performer in you. So there's two things that I want you to do before you get done here. One, if you're looking to surround yourself with other high performers and you're looking to get more of a cue with how to become the high performer that you need to become, I want you to join our Facebook. It's called the High Performers Club. I'll make sure that we have have that in the show notes of each and every episode. All you got to do is click on the link, answer a couple questions and you're in and you get full access to a wide variety of free videos, free content for you, free ways for you to, to step up and become the high performer that you need to become. On the other end, we also know that information is readily available. It's the application that people need to invest in in order to get to that point where they have sustainable change towards their habits and towards their high performing selves. And so if you're looking in ways to work with me, please click on the link, fill out a couple questions and see what kind of spots are available in the moment. I would love to work with you if you are someone who is looking to become the high performer that you need to become because it's what I do. Love y'all. Thanks for listening.